The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. It's the path to Paris. Join track wrestling Shane Sparks as he talks with members of Team USA as they prepare for the 2017 World Wrestling Championships in Paris, France. Now, here's your host, Shane Sparks. And welcome to the Path to Paris here on TrackWrestling.com. I'm Shane Sparks. World Championships, August 21st. That's when they kick off Paris, France, Track Wrestling, and Titan Mercury Wrestling Club. Phenomenal promotion. We've partnered for a $9.99, $9.99 that will have live streaming of the entire tournament and all the archived video as well. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can't beat that for under $10. I'll be there with Andy Hamilton. Interviews, stories, previews, and recaps. Keep it at trackwrestling.com for the Senior World Championships. And on day number one, we'll start with Greco. And one of four guys is our guest here today at 85 kilos. He's a two-time Olympian, the pride of Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Ben Provisor. Ben, it's, it's great to have you on. How are you today? I'm doing good. How you doing, man? Doing fantastic. It's pretty well documented, Ben, that your father a world-class musician, uh, most notably with the grassroots. Uh, he was in L.A., wanted to get out of L.A., came to Wisconsin, and that uh, made me wonder, how did he come to Wisconsin, of all places? Well, there was a band called The Hits that uh, his friend Cookie uh, pretty much ran. He was like the the manager and the drummer of the band, and you know they started doing really well out here, and it was a lot cheaper to live in Stevens Point than it was to live in L.A. at the time. I know your dad had never been exposed to wrestling. He'd never seen wrestling. And I know your mom is a big reason uh, why you got involved in the sport. How would how was your mom a wrestling fan? Well, she just saw her. Uh, she saw, uh, I think, a girlfriend of hers that she, had, that she worked with um, took her to a wrestling tournament. And I had always been a super competitive kid as kid as just a child you know since I was born and she thought I would like wrestling and you know I began to love the sport and she loved the sport as well and you know she really was the driving force behind me getting to where I am now what's your mom's name Tammy Provisor and how old were you Ben when you started wrestling I was six years old you remember the first tournament first tournament I had was a city tournament in Stevens Point I actually broke a girl's nose that I played uh, baseball with and grew up with. But, uh, yeah, I do remember my first tournament. <laughs> what uh, was your first, you know, exposure to Greco? You know, when did you get involved in Greco, and what was it about Greco that grabbed you? Uh, I got involved in Greco probably around, like, when I was seven years old when I started in Dennis Hall's club. So pretty much right away, you know, I luckily had Dennis Hall in my – in my hometown and um you know that i don't think that happens too many times where a world and the olympic medalists are in your hometown and uh you know i just started yeah i would always you know i never once stayed or anything as a kid in, kid in high school but i won every like age group national title in greco it was just more fit to my style and i always was it was always a passion of mine i really loved it so you've known dennis for 20 years Yep, I've known Dennis for over 20 years. I've been pretty lucky. 
I mean, we could do a, a podcast for probably two or three hours on, on Dennis alone. I mean, one mm-hmm. of the more interesting guys I've met in the sport, I, I've told Dennis before that if I was a coach of any sport, if I was a basketball coach, I would bring Dennis Hall in strict, strictly to talk about toughness. Put into words, Ben, the impact he has had on your toughness. I mean, I don't think there's really any any uh, words I can put to describe how tough that guy is. Um, you know, he's a workhorse, and he really uh, just watching him train. You know, and even the last the last time he wrestled in 2004, that he really competitively wrestled. You know, the work he puts in, and you know how much weight he had to cut. And he just he never complains at all. Puts the work in, and you know, moves on with his day. He's a just a great great role model that I was able to grow up with. And, you know, it's, I've been lucky enough to have him in my corner for, like you said, 20 years. Dennis is definitely one of those guys. When you, when you talk about eating nails for breakfast and washing it down with gasoline, uh, you know, Dennis would apply. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick Dennis story. When I ran Badger State Wrestling, that's where I met you, man, hard Mm -hmm. to believe about 10 years ago, I was going to Dennis's house to try to pitch him some advertising. I'd never met Dennis. I'd seen him a little bit, but I, I'd never had a conversation with him. But uh, I remember being outside of his house and calling my brother up. And I said, here's the deal. I'm going in to, to talk with Dennis Hall. I said, if I don't call you back in an hour, I said, I, I, said, I must have said something stupid. And he's just kicking my butt. He's, <laughs> he's very intimidating. But I would say this. Uh, also has a great heart. Has a great well, heart. I had Awesome a, person. I, he's an awesome guy. I had some, some personal stuff going on about three, four years ago. And Dennis Hall, of all people, called me up to see how I was doing. And I can remember sitting in my living room. I can still remember it very vividly like it was yesterday. I'm standing up in my living room, and I'm thinking to myself, are, are you kidding? Like, Dennis Hall, he would, he would have been the last guy that I would have thought would have, would have called for that. But the guy's got a heart of gold. I mean, he, he really does. Heart yeah, of gold. he definitely does. He's a great guy. He had a, I mean, he's had, had that same stuff go on, so he knows how people feel. You know, he's just, he's a, definitely a great man, and I'm lucky enough to call him my coach and friend. If I had to put you on the spot and have you tell us one, you probably got a million. Like I said before, we could probably talk about Dennis alone for two hours. One Dennis Hall story that stands out to you, if you had to pick just one. Oh, well, I mean, I think everybody knows about that 16-minute match. That was probably the most nervous I've ever been. I don't even get that nervous when I wrestle now. But a good and that Dennis was the match story. with Paulson. Yeah, the match with Paulson in 2004. I was in the stands watching him, freaking out. But uh, probably the best story I have to describe Dennis. Um, even there's high school kids that can attest to this now. <laughs> Brady and Dylan Koontz always have have been, you know, sort of his subjects of how he how he trains. Uh, when I was 13, I had, I took a year off. Because I was pretty small, I was only like 105 pounds going into high school. Still hadn't matured, and I spent a year in Bulgaria. So while I'm in Bulgaria, I really like that's when I really found a true like I thought I had a true passion for Greco when I really thought I wanted to be an Olympic champ. So I come back from Bulgaria and I'm in a camp in Indiana because I didn't have school or anything. My mom just sent me to a camp with Dennis for like five days, and I in the beginning of the practice. Uh, like being of our live session after we had drilled, I scored on him for the first time. Like I actually scored on, I like threw him 
for the first time. And that was the worst idea I ever had in my life. <laughs> I never got my butt kicked worse than, than I, than I did in that practice. So, uh, I, I waited a few more years till I got bigger and then I can, <laughs> then, then he couldn't bully me anymore. <laughs> he had a solid high school career, Ben at, at Stevens point four time, uh, state qualifier in Wisconsin. You placed three times. Did you go to Northern Michigan right after high school? And uh, what went into that decision? Yep, I definitely went to Northern Michigan after high school. Uh, I had a lot of big colleges looking for me to wrestle for them, but it was never something that truly interested me. I was always more in a Greco. Um, and actually, Dennis, that was the year Dennis got the coaching job. I actually wanted to be coached by Ivan Ivanov, but him and USA Wrestling really couldn't come do a contract deal, but the reason was because I wanted to be an Olympic champ. The reason I went to Northern. How did you develop at Northern Michigan? Uh, when you look at your wrestling, where did you make the biggest gains uh, during that time in your career? It was definitely the partners. You know, they had, at that point in time they had Andy Bezik, Chaz Betts, Harry Lester, Jake Fisher, Jake Kirby, Cheney Haight. I mean, all those guys were in around my weight there living at the at NMU. So just the amount of great partners I had definitely helped me evolve my wrestling, you know, because I was wrestling great guys every single day. It's been an interesting journey for you. Uh, you look back, now you're 27. Uh, at 22, you made uh, your first Olympics uh, in, in 2012. Describe what that experience was like, Ben. And when you look back at that now five years later, uh, what were the biggest takeaways? I was just definitely a big learning lesson. You know, that that Olympics, I needed back surgery. You know, after the like after trials, I was scheduled to have back surgery. I didn't even know if I was going to make the team. But I made the team, and I st- so I still had to wrestle with those injuries pretty much all summer. Um, but that was, it was a great experience going over to London and, you know, being in my first Olympic games, I feel like that really, uh, proved to me, even though, even though I was injured at the time that I really was meant to, you know, meant for this path, you know, that's, that's what I really felt like, you know, that was telling me. When you left that arena in London, what were you thinking at that time after the competition? I was just thinking really like anything. I just hate losing. So I, I needed to get better at wrestling. Um, I needed to improve my game, but I also needed surgery at that point in time. I was just happy to enjoy that time with my friends and family. And uh, it is definitely a great learning experience. But, you know, hopefully in Tokyo, I can come home with a gold medal around my neck. You look at that that time between London and Rio. I mean, you had, you had a lot of stuff going on. I mean, you got married. Uh, you had a, a, a ton of injuries. You, you kind of alluded to that before. Uh, you had a lot of injuries. Remind us, Ben, of, of what you all had during that time in that uh, two, three-year span. Well, I had a – so my L5 and S1, my low back, are naturally fused together now. And in 2012, when I made the Olympic team, I still needed – I needed a framonectomy, which is to clean out the nerve because my left sciatic nerve was completely blocked from my bones coming together. So I needed that cleaned out right after the Olympics. I got that done. Right after that, I had a really bad tear in my hamstring in 2013. or No, not 2014 when I was wrestling at uh, 80 kilos. Prior to that, I had a sports hernia injury when I went over to Russia. I was just drilling. Uh, my I had needed surgery on that. 
and then my hamstring. And then in 2015, I finally came back from all those injuries. And I uh, was wrestling this younger kid in Croatia. And he tried like a desperate throw. And I had posted my hand in the mat. Um, and my elbow, my RCL, my forearm tendon tore off the bone. So I needed surgery off that. Man. Also during that time, you know, really good. You know, great blessing for you. Your daughter was born in that mix. Too. She was born in, in 2013, correct? She's four now? Yep, she's born in 2013, right after the Olympics. During during that time, Ben, uh, with that adversity, what, what kept you going? I mean, what, was there ever a time where you're thinking, man, I, I might have to choose a different path? I mean, did you ever get to that point? What kept your head above water, and, and what did you learn about yourself? Well, you know, it definitely was a big uh, adjustment from having to be off the mat. But I, it was never a deterring point for me because I was always, I've always been coaching and, you know, doing, they actually have this, the league called the Pikes Peak League that JID runs in, in, uh, in Colorado. And I great had guy. a lot of, yeah, I had a lot of great contacts and, you know, was coaching a lot at the SOT Academy too. So, I mean, it never deterred me from what I was doing. Definitely sucked me being off the mat, but, uh, I felt, I've always felt like I was, meant to do this and meant to coach. So I just concentrated more on coaching and making money that way and, and ultimately helping Lee too, you know, because in the year that I injured my elbow, unfortunately the worlds were in Vegas and I missed out on that because I had teched everybody that was on the, the national team that year. Um, so I definitely felt like I could have medaled there alongside my wife who, who at the time won a bronze medal that year. And it was just a, it was a, Definitely a great thing. With Rio approaching, and you'll have to explain this further to me, but with Rio approaching, uh, you were going through th- through some things personally. You were you were you know on the on the brink of of going through a divorce. You mm-hmm. left you left Colorado Springs, and I remember watching an interview with you where you said, you know, I, I moved out to Florida, going to train with with Jordan Spieler, the Florida Jets. You said I wasn't getting what I needed in Colorado Springs. What what mm-hmm. were you missing in Colorado Springs? What was missing? Well, I just feel like, uh, and and I think that's why Greco struggles a lot. Our uh, our coaches play favorites a lot, and they don't truly coach people, um, you know, to their full potential. I, I believe as national team coaches, they're supposed to coach everybody in the United States the same. And you know, we got our coaches that step in the corners at. You know, at world team trials and uh, Olympic team trials, they step into opposite corners, and that shows that's a big, you know, that tells the referees who they want on their team, you know, and I don't really agree with it. But, you know, so. So, what, what do you mean and, by that, Ben? I'm, I'm not following you exactly. So, give me an example of, of, of what you're speaking about. So, like, uh, Momir Pekovic, he's been the national team coach for, he's been the world and the Olympic team coach the last, however, 20 or some years, right? So in 2013 and this year, again, when I've been wrestling against his guys who train at the Olympic Training Center, he's coaching against me. He's coaching against the number one national team person in the United States when he's the world team coach. So he's actually coaching against me when he shouldn't be. There's no re- that that's there's a reason why our unity in Greco is off. You know, we have we just had a unity meeting on how our team was going to be closer, but our team won't be closer if we have coaches that continue to play favorites, you know? How did that conversation go uh, when you talked to, I'm assuming you had the conversation with Coach Linland? 
I mean, it's getting better. The conversation is getting better now. But when it first started, I got kicked out. I mean, I pretty much got kicked out of the training center because I was told I don't listen. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> that's how it started. That's And that's how, you know, that, that part of me moving, that and my relationship with Lee was, it was just not as good. And, um, you know, I felt like I tried my best to, you know, do the best I could for Lee and my family. And it, unfortunately it just didn't work out. And I, uh, I moved away and moving away. I mean, as soon as I got out of the state and stuff, it felt like a, a giant weight off my shoulders. Um, I felt like I was doing the right thing. I felt like, you know, I came back here, came home, went to Northern Michigan for a little bit. And then I moved on to Florida and, uh, I mean, I was def I felt like I was doing the right things. And then, you know, at, Olympic team trials, I think everybody saw that I definitely had changed a lot. I've gone through a divorce myself. I know how difficult it is. You know, what have you learned from, from that process? You know, I just, uh, the whole marriage situation, everything, I, I learned a ton. I learned, you know, I feel like how to be a better person and, you know, not just worry about myself having a, having a child really, you know, I really grew up, you know, not being able to wrestle one you know, from pretty much 2013 to 2015, um, you know, really, I had to do a lot of other things to make money, and it just made me grow up. Um, and being married, I, I I love the concept of marriage and stuff, but I also will, I'm not going to let anybody take away my happiness. And I know I'm a good person, and I know I'm a very, like, happy-go-lucky person, and when you know, maybe that was a big reason my relationships with my coaches weren't the best, because I guess I was trying to you know, be in a relationship that maybe shouldn't have been, but, um, you know, I, I just value my happiness and especially my daughter's happiness. I don't want her to grow, grow up around, um, you know, fighting and stuff that is going to set, set a example for her. I don't want that example being set for her. I want her to you know have good relationships. And so that's, that, that's ultimately a decision I made. I, I decided to go back to what I always do. I came back and I wrestled and, tried to become a better person every day and it it uh you know made me a better person it just made me better i feel like i had to do it it was tough but it it was the right step trackwrestling.com it's the path to paris talking with ben provisor uh ben right now what what's the relationship like uh between you and and, and the coaching staff uh where does that stand right now and and what kind of feeling do you have uh, heading into you know one of the most important competitions of your entire life. Oh, uh, I feel I feel good about my relationships. Uh, I actually was at Matt Linlin's house for the last three weeks, and and like I said, we had a meeting um, about you know trying to bring bring USA Greco back together as a team, and I think there's some some important steps that we have to go through as a group and recognize and recognize why and what happened. And, you know, just be men about it and, you know, approach the problem, you know, take care of the problem. And hopefully, um, I mean, I, a big thing that I, I don't want, I want everybody that I coach once I'm done to have a fair chance at being, at being an Olympic and world champion. And when you, when you play, you know, favorites and you pick stuff like that, then you're not giving everybody a fair shot. And I, I don't believe in that. So I, I really want kids that I coach to have the, have coaches that are going to always have their back. So if I have to fight for a change and fight for something better, then 
I'm willing to do that for the future. What do you appreciate most about wrestling for Coach Linland? Uh, he's just very open. He's very open to what you know to wrestling, and he's really helped me, you know, just with a lot of little, little, mo- like little moves and stuff, little details that I wasn't really recognizing at first. Um, and he he really is. He feels the same way. You know, he wants to want. He has a love for this sport for Greco and a love for you know a love for competing, and he wants people to do great. And we just had um, uh, Kamal win a win a world gold medal. You know, I thought Tracy Hancock, I thought he was a, a shoe in for a gold medal. Unfortunately, he didn't uh, perform to his ability, but uh, you know, we're making great steps. He's, he's getting kid. He recognized that we can't just, we can't just get guys to transfer over from folk style. It's a very hard transition. Um, you know, it's it's not something you can con- you can't concentrate on freestyle and folk style your whole life and then try to make a switch to Greco. It's a completely different body style, and I think he recognizes that and he wants better for USA Greco. So he's trying to get young guys to commit early, and I applaud him for that. And I remember Ben when you and I spoke after uh, your performance in Rio. I had asked you, "Is there one thing you would would maybe go back and do all over again?" And you said without hesitation. I would not wrestle folk style for the reasons you just spoke about. You would go right to right to Greco. Did did you watch uh, Kamal Bay? Did you did you watch him win that world title? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. How impressive is it to uh, to see what he was able to do? It's very impressive. Um, Kamal is a very great athlete, and you know when he gets locked up, and you know he's good. He's great in positions too. Even when people look like he's gonna. Uh, they're going to score. He's, he has great hips. And, uh, you know, one thing Matt said is, you know, he gives up a lot of points and I've, I've said this to a few people and, you know, the way that he wrestles against juniors. And I, I'm pretty sure this is his last year of juniors, or maybe he's got one more. I'm not sure, but it's that it's hard to wrestle like that and win on a senior level. So he really needs to, He's great at scoring and he's great in positions, but you can't let senior level guys into those positions. They're going to score. You know, that's a big difference from juniors to seniors. And that kid, the kid he wrestled, I mean, he was a cadet world champ the year before, so he's pretty young. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, Kamal wrestled great, but I really think if he wants to win on the senior level and have sustained success, he needs to be able to not let those guys even into those positions for them to score um, and, and score on his own. You know what I'm saying? Like he needs to dominate the position rather than be in a 50-50 position. Like the way I always teach my kids, I say, I'm never going to take a shot unless it's 100%. And that's how I feel Greco is. Like I'm not even going to switch my tie unless I know it's 100% in Greco. This is a very calculated attack. It's a different type of wrestling. and. He is very exciting to watch, but I think in order for him to be a senior world champion, he's going to have to, um, I guess, tighten down his defense a little bit. I think I heard somebody once say, Ben, uh, good wrestlers score, great wrestlers score, and don't get scored on. You know, uh, yep. that's your point. So, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the adversities that you had. You had a great, a great trials. Last year, you make you know you make your second Olympic team in Rio. Uh, when you look back at that experience, what remains fresh in your mind? 
Um, you know, I think that just gave me a a clear mind that I knew I could compete with anybody in the world. Um, especially on my feet. You know, I'm I'm pretty pretty sure I broke that that guy I wrestled uh, from Uzbekistan on his feet, but he got a got some nice calls from the referees, and as everybody knows, those referees were paid to help out those Uzbekistan, um, Russia, and Azerbaijan. So I mean, unfortunately, I had I had to go back down, and I lost that match. But it showed me that I can compete compete with anybody on my feet. I felt like if I could have been able to move on from that match, that I was gonna be in a really good position to medal and this year you know i've wrestled some of the top guys in europe and uh i mean i feel like i'm right there with them so i'm excited to go and hopefully win my first world medal since making this 2017 world team ben what what have you been doing i know you won uh you know the pan ams but uh what else have you been doing where have you been how have you been training uh, explain that a little bit well I recently moved from my parents' house because I was just getting old living in my parents' house for a few months to a friend's house out in the country in Wisconsin. Um, I actually had Pat Downey here when he went through all his troubles in, uh, in Iowa State. I knew he wasn't in a good spot, so I went and picked him up, and I just used him as a training partner. I wrestled some freestyle, and uh, a lot of the work I've been doing has been farm work. I uh I actually don't like using chainsaws yet. I mean, I'm gonna have to get used to it. But I went, I, I went and bought a hand. So I went and bought a few hand saws, and we have a ton of dead trees on this property. The lady I live with got like five acres, and you know how a Greco match. I mean, I know a Greco match. My forearms are always freaking burning at the end of them. So I actually went and just hand sawed through probably like ten to twenty old dead trees, and they're all laying down still. But I mean, it was to like simulate a match. Um, I've been, I started a garden out here. So, I mean, I've just been living in the country, you know, working and, you know, eating healthy food, eating chicken, eating chicken eggs that uh, our chickens lay and been trying to, you know, be at peace before my competitions. So you're living in Wisconsin right now. Yeah. I've lived in Wisconsin the last like year and a half. Oh, no kidding. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're in Wisconsin. All right. I want to, I want to talk about those Pan Ams real quick. So you're getting ready to wrestle. I, I heard this interview with Andy Hamilton and Matt Linland. You're yeah. getting ready to wrestle, and the place basically starts on fire. I mean, that must have been insane. Yeah, it was a little crazy. I uh, <laughs> Definitely an interesting way to start the morning. You know, it was a normal morning. I started, I mean, I, I had already, I could already tell that the saunas were a problem because they had, like, ply, they were plywood saunas super thin thin saunas like i'd never seen anything like it in my life so and that's what started the fire that's yeah. the women's sauna started on fire so i'm like three matches in the hole right and i i'm sitting there warming up sweating like heck because no matter what it's freaking brazil it's hot as hot as crap the whole time (laughs) um so I'm in, I look, and I just see black smoke coming out of where the the locker rooms are and the bathrooms and sauna. And I'm like, I stood it, I watched it, and I'm like, I'm like, I like rubbed my eyes once, and I looked again, and I'm like, Matt, do you, are you looking at this? <laughs> I was like, Matt, do you see this? He's like, yeah, I see it. I'm like, I think we should go. <laughs> so everybody... The smoke was actually going into the arena. It was coming from 
the hall, I mean, I was probably like 50 feet in front or like it was 50 feet in front of me and the smoke was coming out and going into the arena. So all of a sudden I hear a bunch of screams and then everybody's rushing out. Um, yeah. And then that whole situation was nuts because I had to end up wrestling the next day at 7 a.m. Like my first match was at 7 a.m. I warmed up at like six. It was nuts. I've never done anything like it in my life. It was <laughs> I felt so sluggish. But I got through my first my first one, wrestled again, and then I mean my finals match was at like eleven o'clock. I did drug testing, then went straight from drug testing back to the hotel, showered for like literally a half a second, washed my body, and was on the bus to catch a plane. That's a good day's work right there. That's a good it day's was work. Busy. <laughs> I was I was talking with Jim Schmitz, uh, who runs Ringers uh, down in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he was telling me that you and that you and Pat, I, I think we're doing some stuff at Ringers uh, when, when he yep. was up here. Uh, I don't know Pat. I, I've never met him. I've, I've had some, you know, some some Facebook conversations with him. I know that, uh, you know, to, to you know, he always keeps it interesting. I think is a, is a fair way to say it. How did you, you know, how did you, how did you meet Pat and, and why, you know, why was he an asset, uh, you know, to get you where you wanted to go training wise? <clears throat> well, I met Pat back in 2013, 2012 when he made his junior world team and I made my uh, first Olympic team. So we met, we met then, but uh, after that, we just became good friends. Um, you know, he moved to my house in 2015 after. He was at Iowa Central for a little bit. Um, you know, we just had a really good relationship. And, you know, he was going through some things in Iowa, and that's only about five hours from where I was, like four and a half from Ames. So I could tell he was struggling, and I just went and got my friend. And I, I didn't have a great training partner here at the time. And, you know, Pat is probably one of the best wrestler, freestyle and folk style wrestlers in the country around my weight. So it would have been sort of stupid if I didn't go get him, you know. And were you training with Dennis Hall the entire time also? I mean, are you still training with Dennis? No, Dennis Dennis is too small. I'm I'm too big to wrestle Dennis every day. So he's not he's not, you know, really coaching you at the moment then. No, he coaches me. He can he coaches me. Okay. He watches he watches him in wrestle and will give me like ideas of how I can, you know, score more and do other things, but he definitely coaches me, but he doesn't wrestle with me every sure. day. He wrestles exactly. smaller guys. I, oh, I mean, exactly. I weigh like I can weigh like two hundred and ten pounds. <laughs> so I mean, it's not very easy for a forty-five-year-old guy to wrestle with a guy that's in his peak of you know athletic career, and he's forty-five and one hundred and fifty pounds. You know? One one thing in this conversation, Ben, that I'm trying to kind of figure out in my own head is is like how much freedom you have in your training. So I mean, I mean, are there? I'm assuming there's times when you have to be in certain places at certain times. And when when you look at this this Greco World Team, uh, besides yourself, are there other guys in different parts of the country, or is everybody in Colorado Springs? No, not everybody's in Colorado Springs. I mean, there are a few, but they're all, they're pretty much spread out. You know, Mason Manville is at Penn State. Um, uh, Tracy is in Colorado. Robbie is obviously in Colorado. Um, Ellis and Ildar are in Colorado, but they wrestle for the WCAT program. They sort of do their own thing. Um, and then also, what's his name? Uh, who was it? Pat Smith. He's from Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota had also two second place guys too. So, I mean, 
they're pretty much spread out. And I know the OTC is going to a younger look now too. Like they're making, they're trying to make it more of a developmental program. So I don't really know where the next like great senior team is going to come from. Um, I feel like it's going to be made somewhere, but I know I'm going to, I'm either going to have some opportunities that I have coming up here to move to different places. So we'll see. Okay. From a technical aspect, Ben, how do you think you're most different uh, compared to a year ago? Technically, I'm trying to score more. I'm scoring off my off balances and not just like sort of letting them fall and breaking, you know, getting into new position. I'm hitting a lot of ducks off. I'm trying to hit duck unders off my off balances and it seemed to, seems to be working really well. I've been scoring a lot more. So I'm just trying to see things and I, I feel like, I'm figuring out my own way of wrestling, you know, and I feel like every athlete has to figure out their own form. And now I'm finally like figuring it out. You look at the Greco results, Ben, Andy Besick with medals in 2014 and 2015. I believe before that, the last one was Dramil Byers back in 2009. Uh, any, you know, any thoughts as to, you know, why the, the, the lack of production or what makes the results most frustrating um i think like, i think i touched on it before i think our team is just not as strong we're not as strong as a team as a lot of the like the women and the freestylers have like a really good team bond regardless of who makes the team but i feel like in the greco community we like compete against each other a lot um you know and we hold each other back from being the best we can because we're ultimately competing with people that we know very well and wrestle a lot so um i think as a team we need to be better um working together and uh just listening to each other and how we feel and training and and you know what our technique is doing and how we you know need to get better really do you think accountability has been lacking um i don't think the accountability has been lacking i know people work work really hard it's just a very you know, in the U.S., it's really hard to get kids to switch to Greco, especially when you look at coverage-wise. You see freestyle all over the place and women all over the place, you know, deservingly so because they have medals. But I feel like we're we're asked to do more every year with less, you know. Like, we get less resources from the USOC. We get less resources from uh, USA Wrestling, and we we expect they expect better results when you keep putting less and less into something if you put less into everything every year because you don't get results you're not gonna get more results so i feel like it's a lot of a lot has to do with a lot of things that could be changed you know it amazes me how time flies uh talked about it a little bit earlier at 22 you make your first olympic team and now you're 27 i mean these opportunities are, are hard to come by. They're, they're few and far between. Where's your head at heading into Paris as you compete in, you know, like 10 days? I feel great, man. I'm excited to represent my country and represent, you know, what I, the work that I've been doing this year. I've been working my butt off all year and I'm excited to show the world. Um, I'm, this is probably the best season of my career and I'm excited to continue that at the world championships, you know, regardless of how, our team performs. I know I'm going to go out there and fight for every for six minutes. It's going to be a war, regardless of who I step on the mat with. They're going to know that they just wrestled the match against me. I know that. 
So and I'm excited to go fight for a medal that I feel like I deserve. TrackWrestling.com. It's the path to Paris. Shane Sparks joined by two-time Olympian and 2017 world team member uh, Ben Provisor. Want to remind everybody, Track Wrestling and Tight Mercury Wrestling Club, promotional price of $9.99. You get the entire stream of the events and the archives as well. Uh, go to trackwrestling.com and, and pick up that subscription. want to ask you this, Ben. When you look at your career up to this point, how would you put it into words? How would you sum it up from your perspective? Well, I think a little frustrating right now, but I mean, I had early success, um, you know, making a bunch of junior teams and making making my first senior team pretty young. Um, but I, I would say right now it's incomplete. You know what I'm saying? I think that'd be a great word for it because uh, I feel like some world medals are are on the way, and I, I just feel like my journey in wrestling is incomplete. Um, I mean, there definitely are other areas where I can make other money, but I definitely had this dream of being an Olympic champion, and I hope to do that in 2020. Talk a lot about technique and, and, and physical training, uh, but not a lot. It's actually, I shouldn't say not a lot. It's been obviously brought to the forefront more about your mind, you know, wrestling being such a, a mental game. How do you train your mind? And what have you learned in, in developing your mindset over the years? Um, I know we've had a few meetings with that wrestling mindset. Uh, and I mean, I've, I've taken a lot from that and I really think the biggest thing in wrestling and in combat sports is you have to be the predator and not the prey. I'm going out there to score. I'm looking for opportunities to, uh, take advantage of the weak points that you have in your wrestling. So I'm I'm going out there to wrestle my match, not wrestle your match. I think that's a really big thing. Like I'm gonna go wrestle the same, regardless of how how you wrestle. I'm gonna go wrestle how I know how to wrestle and attack you. And I mean that's how most fights are won. So eyes at the uh, on the front of your head, not the sides. I was uh, yeah. I, I pay attention to the wrestling mindset stuff quite a bit. I yeah, think it applies to a lot of life. You know, it's it's totally. like life lessons, not not only wrestling, but totally. uh, but they have some really good stuff. So that's been helpful for you. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely been a a good piece of information that I've learned in the last few years that has really stuck with me. You know, is and that's I think a big thing this year why I've been working on how to score from the positions that I get in a lot. So uh, that's just what I'm trying to do in my wrestling. Even if it's if if some if it's from an overhook, if it's from an underhook, whatever, like whatever positions I get into, I've been opening up more and scoring from them. So it's been fun. You look at this 85 kilos, no surprise. I mean, it, it, it's filled with hammers. What what stands out to you, Ben, um, when you look at 85 kilos, and you know what what decides you know winning and losing. Oh no, there's not too much that stands out to me, honestly. The wrestling on their feet is pretty basic. Well, the wrestling that I've seen is very, pretty much just a hand fight, not a ton of risk happening. So, I mean, I, I feel like if I open up and score, I can score with any of these guys. And that's the big key now is scoring on your feet. And that plays into a, you know, I feel like Americans' hands a lot better than, you know, having to go down in parts there because we have that. You know, we're in folk style freestyle for freaking 15 years of our life and then have to concentrate on it. I didn't even understand part there. I've been mostly a Greco guy, 
And I didn't even understand parterre till I was like 2021, 20, concentrating on Greco fully my whole the whole year. So it's a very hard position to learn and to learn correctly. So we hold ourselves back there. And I mean, but as far as the 85 kilo bracket goes, I don't feel like I'm going to get, uh, I don't feel like I'm going to get taken down by these guys. Cause none of these guys really try too much offense. Even the, the number one guy in Europe right now, he, all he does is hand fight. He's in great shape. Don't get me wrong. And he's great at hand fighting, but he doesn't attempt to move. He just beats you with hand fighting. Talking to Ben Provisor here on TrackWrestling.com. I want to ask you, Ben, uh, here as we wind down, uh, tattoos. You know, what, what do you have for tattoos? What, what do they mean? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I got my first one was for Art Cohen. I think you probably met Art. I don't know if you did. Oh, uh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Ryan's dad. Yeah, Ryan's dad. I got, that's my first one. It says rest is a cross with angel wings. It says carpe diem above it. Seize the day and rest in peace, big papa. In the cross, um, the newest one I have is like a, is like a, I guess called the evil eye or I don't know. It's like those little all-seeing eyes. It's supposed to ward off evil. Um, one on my stomach is a lion. That's for Evelyn. She's a Leo. Uh, I have a Rio tattoo on my forearm now. It's actually that's actually nice and swollen because I I was in my garden and I got stung by a wasp. That was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> you got then, any uh any ones in the works um yeah i think i got one i think i'm gonna put one on my forearm i don't know I, i'm pretty sure i know what it's gonna say but i think what, the what one are you I'm, thinking you know yeah uh, i'm gonna put forgive me father on my forearm okay what <laughs> uh any any special meaning behind that no just it's more of my religion now that i've okay grown up a little bit just Asking for forgiveness, really. Can I use some of that, right? Yeah. Forgiveness is powerful. I mean, I'm I'm a little older than you, and I'm I'm 41, and I'll tell you, as I get older, I think that maybe stands out as much as anything else. Just the power of the power of forgiveness. You know, the power of you know forgiving people uh, that have you know done stuff to you, and then on the flip side of uh, you know forgiving, you know, asking for forgiveness too. It's it's powerful. That's that, that's a can't cool have tattoo. One without the other. That, that's exactly it. All right, Ben, I, I, I end, end this segment with uh, kind of rapid-fire questions. And when I'm doing it with, with freestyle, I, I think I call it shot counter shot. But obviously with freestyle, why don't we we'll just kind of call it, you know, pummeling. Uh, who's, who's the person you would most like to meet, you know, dead or alive, person you would most like to meet? Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. If you were not involved in wrestling, what would you be doing right now? <sighs> Playing football. Favorite restaurant? Uh, Fujiyama Sushi in Colorado Springs. Favorite country that you've uh, that wrestling has taken you to? Russia. Russia. What did you like most about Russia? I just really liked the city. St. Petersburg was beautiful, and I'm Russian, too. I've been to Romania, too, and I thought that was beautiful, but I didn't have too much of an opportunity to take to see it. So Okay. What's uh, what's the last good movie that you've seen? Oh, actually, Girl Talk. I got taken to that shit. That sorry, it's a hilarious <laughs> movie. Girl Talk. Yeah. I okay. Got, I was with some girls and they took me, but it was so <laughs> funny. It was hilarious. One of the funniest comedies I've ever seen. All right. What's uh, what subject in school, Ben? Did you like least? Least English. 
English, all right? Yeah. Most memorable match that you've been a part of any level. Oh, man. Most memorable match. I don't even know. What can I say? Um, man, that's a tough one. Let me see. Probably my first match in the Olympics in 2012. Okay. In, in 12 in London. All right. One, one rule in Greco that you would change or a rule you would add. One rule in Greco or a rule I could add. Huh. Wow. This is a crazy question. Um, I don't know. What could you add to Greco that would make it different? I'm giving you the magic wand. Now's your time, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I could how how you could word it. I don't know. I think I think there has to be a more distinct rule of like like the way you use your legs and stuff. Um. I don't know. I would say more distinction of like an actual leg foul because okay. people get upset about like off balances. And even even if you do step behind people's legs or step in front, people feel like it's a leg foul. So maybe more distinction on what truly is a leg foul in Greco. Okay. Know. Favorite favorite candy bar? Uh, Reese's Reese's Fast Break. Okay. Last question I got for you. I believe that was uh, Christmas Story. The kid gets the Red Rider BB gun. He's all fired up. I'm sure you've seen that movie. As a little kid, what was the best Christmas present that had you most jacked up and excited? Uh, I was a super big Power Rangers fan. So I got this. <laughs> I got the, you know, the white Power Ranger. He had that like saber sword. I freaking, I got that sword and I was so happy. I don't think I put that thing down for like two months. Good uh, stuff. Good stuff. Well, Ben, I uh, learned a lot from talking with you. This was a, this was a lot of fun. Uh, great to catch up. Uh, sincerely appreciate the time and looking forward to watching you in Paris. You're going on day one on August 21st. Uh, looking forward to watching you compete. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.